okay, you don't like JavaScript, but you're a Python dev. Let's hold up on the judgment, Mr. Significant White Space. Speaking of employment, I will not have that next week. Yay! Yay! Congratulations, Tom. You listless drifter. Thank you, question mark? What are you going to do with yourself? Um, I mean, I already have the next week lined up. I was, like, considering asking (laughs) to go visit either of you. You actually want to come to El Paso? Wow. Well, no, I don't want to come to El Paso, I'm not going to lie. But (laughs) I want to see you, so, like, you count. I mean, Tom, I haven't liked you forever, and I still talk to you. Aw, thanks, Raul. Yeah, and I got that in the sound check, so that was was good. (laughs) We don't like you, Tom. We love you. Aw. Yeah. Let's do this! Welcome, dear listener, to QQ Cast. Today is Thursday, May 26, 2022. We're your hosts, Thunderbot, Zach Mayer, and Raul Torres. Say hi, gentlemen. Hi, gentlemen. Gentlemen. Correct. And this, dear listener, is Quest 270. How is your mental health? Um, gentlemen, this is a taboo subject, or at least it certainly was in the past. I think as society as a whole, this is getting better and getting its way into our discourse. But it's something that I know even I personally just, you know, hadn't been comfortable discussing originally and you know as i faced more and more trials i've had to get more and more comfortable with it and then you know for personal reasons in the last year or so with the pandemic and professionally i've had to get even more comfortable with it so while i've dropped little hints on mike i really haven't gotten into it um so i was motivated because i had a minor anxiety attack today which we'll talk about later but i just i wanted to talk about it a bit and i know it helps some people hearing like, oh my God, other people have fucking issues. Like, yes, yes, we do. So, um, I'm sorry. Yeah. We're, we're, we're three guys on a podcast. Of course we have issues. That's <laughs> <the> default. <laughs> this is how we vent catharsis. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. Especially so... with Zach, you and I are always doing nostalgia member berries with Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, yeah. Yeah, but I'm not going to lie. It does seem like the podcast is your happy place escapism, which is perfectly fine. Um, oh, but I'm, that's, I'm that's an one of the things that we do to. Yeah, I mean, I'm an extrovert. I love talking with people. It lets me think about things not in my head. I obviously love talking with you guys, and we talk about subjects, which I also love. So, oh my God, the podcast over the last nine years i mean yeah guys i i love doing this with you guys it it is it is fun enjoyable it's relaxing i I fucking love it i'm so grateful you guys are still doing this after all this time with our zero subscribers i it's just thank you it's just fun it It is it is fun and like i don't know about you guys but i have this tendency to like put friendships like on a shelf as though they'll be stored there forever. And for some cases, that's true. Um, some of the people that I've known for almost all of my life, um, that's certainly true. You can just kind of meet after years and pick up where you left off. Uh, in other cases, definitely not. You know, if you don't put in the maintenance, then those relationships and those bonds just kind of deteriorate. And that's natural, sure. But this is a good way for me to keep up at least some of that maintenance with you guys because i don't <laughs> want to lose that connection you guys are awesome no, oh, absolutely man I'm, as well i'm bad at long distance communication in general like just as a whole and so yeah being able to talk to you guys is, is fantastic and i'm so glad you know our friends we all have our slack channel and you guys we all post in there right because if i don't have something like that it, it is really hard for me to to maintain that it's something actually my dad used to be really good at and i've never been quite as good at, as him at that so yeah. I'm so glad well, I this, this, this is a this is a good subject regarding kind of the the mental health type thing. It's uh it's uh when they say it takes a village to raise a, raise a child, um they should also kind of also add something to that as like also to like keep people sane and healthy and you know in a good spot, right? I think it's it's really hard to kind of build up a community and have that support network. And um I think one of the things that you've kind of mentioned in the past Tom is kind of like how like college life was kind of like resort style living or you know whatever because i think that's kind of like the last time that folks have a really kind of like concrete you know pseudo walking distance you know relationship with a whole community and can really like have people support see people's success and failures and stuff 
And then once you're kind of out of, you know, high school or college, that type of support network really drops depending on your culture. So, you know, it's it's hard. We, We forget how easy it is in a school environment, whether that was grade school or going through college, that you are forced to get out of your house. You're forced to go to not just one classroom, but a series of classrooms with a series of people. And that routine makes you communicate with others and makes you build relationships. And yeah, like I'm, I'm lucky enough to work at an office where, not for long, where, uh, you know, I, I can nerd out with fellow nerds and engineers and really enjoy my time, but that's still only one setting. So for me, as my, in my adult life, I really only have three friend groups, which is not enough. And that is work, which can be tenuous when you change jobs or, or teams, you lose touch with people. Uh, soccer, which I'm so glad to have my, my friend group there. And, you know, you guys, the ones we just talked about how hard it is to keep in touch. Uh, the ones that I, and let's be honest, you guys are my best friends in college, but like we've fortunately kept up. But that's that's it, as opposed to when we were in grade school. Yeah, like who'd you meet at a party? Who'd you meet at, you know, a class? Who'd you meet at, you know, uh, someone on this podcast? Some One of my friends was dating you. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's so many, a myriad of ways to meet people. And that becomes less and less the case, as well as people get more responsibilities, children, right? Like families, Raul, I, I, I don't know what that's like for you as, as the only parent on the podcast, but it takes a significant amount of time. I don't think you're, you're going to the movies as often with everybody. Oh, I can, I can vent about parent talk forever, but I think, I think that'll be another podcast. Whenever you have, y'all have kids, Fair I can enough. vent about that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's challenging and it's rewarding and it's terrifying and it's challenging. And it's tiring. The, the terrifying, so, so tiring. You know, while we're just airing everything on, on mic right now, like, the, the terrifying is something that was really hard for me. You know, I, uh, uh, I'm i divorced. I had an ex-wife. Uh, you guys know, dear listener, might not. And it was something where, you know, we had a bad, I won't go into the details, but we had a bad uh, car accident. And it scared the living shit out of me. It, it kind of moved up her biological clock and it moved mine back because fear was a real issue like i here's the mind killer tom it is it is man and and <laughs> i mean i'm so worried about you know my friends and my dog for 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 god's sake the fear of what would happen could happen to your kids you know our we have mutual friend you know eric who whose child had cancer i i would cry when i thought about eric's kid who's clear is in remission thank god but i would cry just thinking about that um you know, my dad had a friend who, one of his best friends, whose son died from being fucking electrocuted in a lake. It's terrifying. And I, I had a hard time dealing with that. And I think I'm a little better, but I'm not a parent. I don't know. This stuff's fucking well, hard. It's terrifying. Well, mm-hmm. I think the the hard part, though, is the world isn't less terrifying. I think it's more of learning how to deal with that and kind of like, like, it's... It's unfortunate that like folks don't have that kind of like same gauge or meter or get like the dopamine hit for the good things because good things happen, right? It's just like it's there are terrifying, scary parts along the way, but there are good and happy and exciting and rewarding parts along the way. And I think it's more of a society, human nature thing to only focus on those. But I think Oh, I have been um, for five years. <laughs> what one of the like like the mindfulness and stuff like that that I've been kind of like been taking off a little bit more recently, the sense of like learning how to live in the moment, learning how to appreciate what you've got. It's it's hard because it takes kind of fighting that basic instinct of like I'm never going to have food again. I need to eat as much as possible versus like, you know what? I'm going to enjoy this meal. I'm going to enjoy this, you know, wonderful time eating and, you know, just enjoy it. It's, it's hard. And it is absolutely the small things. It is so the small things that are, I don't know, the most potent. I don't know what to say. When oh, you can appreciate them, it's so fucking hard. Yeah. No, they're definitely useful. Um, there was, it, it comes from a different place, but that adage, count your blessings. Um, there was some series of studies, or at least one study that I saw in like 2017 or so, uh, out of some college somewhere, Berkeley or uh, one of the one of the California ones, that was basically confirming this idea that gratitude, practiced gratitude, like conscious looking at the good things, uh, can have a positive impact on your overall mental health, and it's something that I think I've done just as kind of a matter of course for a good long time, you know, that sort of, that that small optimism, you know, when it's kind of a shitty day or whatever, you can be like, well, at least, 
you know, I get to stay inside and play video games uh, when it's <laughs> raining. Or, yeah, at least uh, <laughs> I haven't been, you know, laid off or unemployed for years. Uh, at least yeah, I... We're, we're all very lucky about that in particular. Oh, man. My favorite thing uh, that I fall back on if I, like, am feeling kind of shitty about myself is I don't remember the last time that I've thought about Bill's that's super privileged to like say out loud, but man, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> man, is that a cool thing? Because I remember vividly instances where I've like dug through my couch cushions or my car uh, seats to look for change to get gas to get to my minimum wage job, <laughs> and I don't have to do that anymore. So I feel good about that, and that feeling of gratitude just, I think it it's a good baseline for everything else. I, I try really hard to not forget that one in particular to remember how many other people, you know, don't have that and, and how well compensated we're all senior level engineers. We're well compensated. And so when I go to dinner with people, I try to pick up the appetizers. I try to, if I know someone doesn't have a lot of money, like I'll pay for whatever the event is. And I don't ask for anything in return. I don't say anything about it. I just, whenever I have the opportunity, I try to do it. You know, today I threw 10 bucks in a, uh, a guy was doing a little charity thing outside of a grocery store. I, I try to to appreciate what I have, and I try to in in little ways give back to that. But also, I'm not huge. I'm not hugely active in in any kind of charities or volunteering. And sometimes well, I feel like I should. All charity is a failure of government to provide for the common. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. But no, I think it, it it's there's a line, right? It's between genuinely appreciating what you have and not feeling guilty about it um so you know if you can if you can do that if you can you know feel good genuinely about the place that you are uh for the reasons that you can find or have then i think that'll give you a good like i said baseline for everything else because if you're starting from that positive outlook then almost everything else can at least seem plausible to get to. I went through, uh, well, I'm sure that we all did to one degree or another, but I didn't realize quite how deep into a pretty serious bout of depression that I was in over the last couple of years. Because I've always been pretty introverted, and I started working from home full-time, so I was spending almost all my time in a dark, poorly lit office oh, by design. <laughs> it's super great. Uh, <laughs> I love my office, but I was not myself, and I didn't notice the decline, really. Uh, my wife, Callie, had to point it out. So, starting from... And I, I realized uh, after I started doing a little bit of uh, talk therapy, and honestly, drugs. Drugs are great. <laughs> um, like legal prescribed drugs. Recreational are fine too, but in my case, I'm talking about antidepressants. Um, Those were never particularly I... effective for me. We can we can come back and talk about that. Sure, yeah. The um, the thing that I hadn't been doing for most of this time, with all of the doom scrolling and uh, you know everything else going on, was you know taking the time to actually sit around, like sit down and not meditate necessarily, but just kind of like think about where the good things are. Uh, Rogers would have said, look for the helpers, um, you know, count your blessings, all the, the little catchphrases that kind of all mean the same thing. But taking that time out to be grateful was one of the things that I just stopped doing and suffered for. Um, though it takes effort. And, you know, being conscious of it, I think, is a good thing. I mean, it's the classic, the first step to solving a problem is meaning you have one. And Oh, yeah. Yeah, I... There again, I look back and I think there were definitely times where I didn't realize. For me, I don't know if it was depression when I was younger, but like you know, my emotional state wasn't in a great place. I don't even think I was self-aware enough to know that. Um, and then when I did finally start, like for me, it was post-divorce, living alone for the first time, work was stressful. So when I was when I did my first full bout of depression, oh fucking baby, there was no. And I'm, guys, I'm still wrestling with it, but like there was, there was no denying like, oh, what is this, this physical manifestation? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you had Callie to, to identify that, to help, to help you. 
Uh, I'm glad meds did work for you. I, I've, you know, I, I don't drink, I don't do drugs, and I don't even like drugs in general. But I think one of the analogies that really helped me accept that, like, sometimes you have to try these things. And for me, antidepressants didn't really do anything, but anti-anxiety meds did. Um, and one of the things that helped me kind of understand you have to try this is like, hey, you know, when someone breaks an arm or a leg, they have to wear a cast. They have to walk with a cane. No one wants to walk with a cane. But sometimes you have to do that so that you can heal and then you won't need to use it anymore. And, and that analogy kind of helped me a lot with accepting yeah. that. So, so to kind of piggyback on that i think it's it's also one of the interesting things where like people have no problem saying like hey i'm gonna go get my wisdom tooth removed because it's a problem or hey i you know sprained my ankle because of this problem it's a the society we live in is always kind of given a pass on physical visible injuries for the most part and given folks a little bit more a pass you know i want to put the handicap discrimination in a corner which is i'm going to acknowledge it but you know it's just for the most part people have you know taken like hey like there's there's no stigma to oh you know you hurt yourself and you're talking about it no you broke your collarbone whatever um and i think it is interesting how going back to kind of like analogies it's just like um hearing people i think one of the ones that i heard was like um really kind of made things click for me was just like folks need to start getting to that level of talking about those type of mental health issues the same way they would talk about wearing a cast because it, it is very much equivalent mm-hmm. and just you know the more people do that in day-to-day lives you know it, it's gonna be rough yeah there are gonna be some people being like they're crazy i mean but they were saying that anyways already before we were being open and honest so that's okay um but you know it, it's it's like anything i think just the more people are comfortable about themselves and talking about themselves it's it's one of those things where nine times out of ten good things kind of come with it i you know yeah there's going to be the haters and stuff but for the most part you know the more you are yourself the more you're open about yourself i think better things come out of it for sure yeah and the um you're you're definitely right about the the visibility of, of injuries or disabilities definitely is hold on I need, to, I need to interrupt my my mic just cut out and it came back so i need to note this in the time Clappy clap. Okay, sorry. I I'm so sorry to cut you off, but like I, I needed to to mark that. Okay, sorry. Please continue, Zach. Yep. Um. So, yeah. No. The um the visibility of things, uh, disabilities or injuries or whatever can definitely have an impact on how others perceive you. And that, you know, we're all social animals, so that has a knock-on effect or a reverb or a a feedback loop uh, that can kind of turn in on itself when that injury is not visible or if it is a mental health issue then you know it can compound which is a problem um for me like the antidepressants were they're mild in my case like i'm not uh, a serious serious depression diagnosis uh, as um i'm sure that there are way worse cases out there than me well there have to be <laughs> but uh in my case it was very much you know tom said walking with a cane um it was just about giving me enough of an edge enough energy to do the work to get myself into a better place and that works ongoing um but that <laughs> was certainly a case of hey this is this is something that i can do like proactively and it did did and does help um but it's not the end of it there's not a cure in a bottle it's management and I, I get the impression uh and really i don't know if you've kind of jumped in this but zach i get the impression you and i were both very highly functioning depressives because like i assure you people at my work would not have known what i was going through i and it's not a chameleon thing but like i put my game face on and I was still a high five guy and smiling like it I shielded that I think very well I get the impression you were probably similar you know I'd like to think so um <laughs> but I don't really have a good bearing on it I don't really socialize with people that I work with in general um you and Callie uh <laughs> you have way different relationships with your coworkers than I ever have um, I don't exactly envy it per se, but I do appreciate that it's different than what I tend to experience. And that's mostly on me. I, I don't connect with coworkers the same way because they're super duper fungible. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I have never had the bandwidth to keep up with, uh, with people long distance the same way as I do my good friends. Um, and I've never had coworkers in general uh, become really good friends. So I don't really put in the effort to begin with. And maybe that's sad. I don't really mind it. Um, but I mean, like I said, I don't think works, I, I works yeah. work sometimes and that that's fine. Well, I, but, think, I think it's um, very important to be able to separate your professional relation, not, not life, but your professional relationships yeah. and your personal relationships. And I tell this people all the time there. I'm very fortunate that I have so many people that I, I have had great professional relationships that I, and I have good personal relationships. Mm-hmm. There is a handful of people that I am friends with that I don't want to work with. There's a handful of people that I am totally cool with working with and I don't want to be friends with. So I don't know. My opinion is that it's not necessary to, to separate those two lives to be them separate, but it's to be important to be very cognizant and conscious of your relationships. And those, mm-hmm. I mean that for a single individual, that you can have those two relationships with one individual. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Yeah, and, yeah, and I think the other challenge too is like, like I don't know exactly too much about your role, Zach, but I think as you kind of like evolve from being like individual contributor to like you know managing folks, it's a lot harder to be friends and buddy buddies with folks. Otherwise, you kind of set yourself for HR danger zone, and that's just who wants to deal with that. Well, yeah, don't yeah. don't get in the physical relationship thing. That's not advised, for sure. Yeah, for me, it's always a case of like. I think that I'm reasonably well liked in my jobs, but all of my interactions come from a place of uh, customer service on my part. Mm. Like I'm doing my best to make the people around me feel like they're being heard because it's better for everybody that we have a good working relationship, but it's very much surface level. Like, Oh yeah, now how can I help you today? And there's no like resentment or anything like that. That's just like, kind of how i prefer to operate i uh, just that old people pleaser tendency i guess but yeah. it is not super personal it's not a, a really like um it's it's there's a it's there's a weird contradiction you said with that people pleaser but not personal it's it's, it's that that blows my mind well i don't want to necessarily get into my coworkers' entire life story and hear all about like their weekend. Uh, I do very <laughs> much want to hear about their work-related problems and figure out how I can help solve those. Um, you know, it, and you can, uh, you know, the the easy one is you know unblocking people or um, you know, if you've got technical issues, working through those, finding resources. Um, being dependable in general. Uh, beyond that, you know, if somebody's got work problems, like I don't feel like my manager is taking me seriously, or um, I've got this idea, but I don't know how to present it. That kind of stuff that's outside the particular definition of a given role, perfectly fine with. You know, as long as it's like related to the job, absolutely extra miles all day long. I cannot help you if you're having relationship issues and you're getting kicked out of your house because somebody cheated on somebody. I have no, <laughs> nothing to say about that if, if we're working together. Um, and I don't feel bad about that position. Well, those are some pretty heavy problems yeah, that you need to say, like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I, 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 that's above my pay grade. I'm like, man, that sounds rough. Anyway, the story points <laughs> this rent are. Um, yeah, no, it's... Well, to, to be fair, you're not set up for success to answer questions like that very well, so don't don't be too hard on yourself. No, no. Um, yeah. But, well, like, like, it's, it's, it's oh. like, I... I have no problem working with people to make them happy in the context of work and our job, but I don't want to go any deeper than that. So this like uh, people pleasing, but not personal. I want people to feel like I'm a good resource at work, but nowhere else. Well, I think that's the challenge though. I think like if you display 
I mean, it goes with work too. If you display any aptitude in anything, people are going to assume that that aptitude goes much more degrees, right? So obviously, if you know how to present a problem in a workspace to someone different, of course, you're going to know how to like tell the the lone person to like, hey, I need five more months to pay this bill because you, you can solve problems. And I think that's just one of the general kind of hard parts of people who are problem solvers at any scope. Mm. You can, you, I'm pretty sure if you really had to solve their problems, you could, but I think obviously kind of making those compartments is needed for to keep your sanity because you can't fix everyone's problems. Yeah, so I mean, I think that, yeah, that, that I think well those put. type of attitudes and those kind of like responsibility and maturity tend to attract certain people looking for help. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's just a, it just, it's a, it's a sign that you're doing good, well, that, but that, also I, a pain. <laughs> earlier, Zach mentioned we are social animals and I, I kind of think that's an important factor here, right? Like Zach, clearly you compartmentalize those two worlds, but you have a friendly personality. And I think that despite you drawing a very clear, you know, black and white line in the sand, that personality trait of being helpful and being a people pleaser does not, doesn't just go away when you're at your job. So I, I think I understand what you're saying. I like to set boundaries. And setting those boundaries, like, yeah, it's it's a skill, I think. Oh, it's hard. You, it's very you, hard. You build up over time. Like, there's not a really... You can get all the uh, practical advice on what to say and how to do it. And you even see that in HR trainings. Like, uh, if you've gone through any of the standardized sexual harassment stuff. Oh, here's the exact wording and phrasing in the scenarios that they give you to resolve problems or de-escalate or set boundaries. You can know all that, but actually doing it is still hard. Um, so yeah, that's, that's something that I've done for a long, long time. And I didn't always, um, and I don't think that I necessarily regret not doing it when I didn't, but I also don't regret doing it now that I am. Yeah, I, 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 as much as I try to make sure I keep things professional, I, I do try to help people. And so I rely yeah. perhaps too heavily on context for that, right? Like, you know, this is not an office setting. This is not a professional conversation. You know, if you want to talk about your feelings, I'll be here, but I'm going to try very hard to make sure I'm not giving you advice. Anything could be misconstrued. So I, mm. I do try very hard to be there for people, but uh, admittedly, it could be playing with fire. And I hope... I hope I never oh, fucked yeah. that up. Oh yeah. Well, and it's like <laughs> if somebody if somebody sends me a message and is like, "Hey, I need you to take all of my tasks this week because I've got to go deal with, you know, a sick relative or bury a pet or whatever." I'm like, "Absolutely. I got you. I will absolutely 100% back you up on that." Uh, I might ask you how it went. But that's going to be a real superficial conversation because I, it's not, it's not even that I don't really care. It's that I don't have the background context to make any sense about what you're going to say it's, to me. It's not that I don't care. Oh no, wait, I don't. <laughs> I mean, I care insofar as you're another person with feelings and agency, and that's you know valuable. Um, I have nothing valuable to add, so just. You know, if you want to vent at me, sure. If you are looking for somebody to like respond and commiserate with, I can't do it. I I don't know I, you that well. I, I I still think you are selling yourself short when you say nothing to add because I still think that people perceive you as a problem solver, so they perceive that you could add or add something to their situation. So I think it's very much a framing thing. So. So I wanted to backtrack to something you mentioned earlier, Zach, about you know, uh, appreciating that you, you know, don't worry about bills and finances. And I, I think for the most part that that's the case for us. Again, I know Raul, you have a, you have a family that's probably much more complicated. Oh, um, we got, we got student loan debt. So we're, 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 all we're, we're good, right. but we got bills forever. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, one of the things that I wanted to bring up, and I don't know if you guys feel this or not, is there's also like, Hello, white guilt, but like there's a sense of guilt with like, yeah, I, I have all these things going for me. I am, you know, as far as basics go, I'm very healthy and I'm employed and we have, not that America is a perfect country by any stretch of the imagination, but we have all these freedoms and we can go where we want, we can do what we want. And I almost feel bad. Like, what the fuck right do I have to be depressed? Some people have so much less and are so much happier. And there's a, like that negative feedback loop that happens there. And I don't know... 
if you, and I, I try to keep it in check, but it's not always easy. And I don't know how you guys feel about that. Um, I know. think for a lot of stuff is it's as soon as you get to a scope where you're comparing yourself to other people, you're already setting up yourself for failure. I think it's you always have to compare yourself to where I was yesterday, where I was five years ago, where I was 10 years ago, uh, because as soon as you start looking at, well, so and so is doing better, you don't know what trials and tribulations they're going through. You know, if you, you know, as soon as you think of like, well, I'm better than someone else, well, you don't know what else they're going through as well. Yeah, so I, I think for, for me, it's always been you, you always kind of keep it centered at yourself. And I think. You know, unfortunately, it's just like there are certain things that you can't control. You can't control where you're born. You can't control, you know, what country you're in or the culture you're around. And, you know, I think, you know, if folks could give you even the opportunity to be like, you know, okay, here's pick the things and you can trade with other folks. I think folks would probably be fair about it. But I mean, it's it's a crap shot. It's totally random. I, I, I try very hard specifically. I should say I try very hard. For me, I, I, I don't have an issue, I think specifically, with comparing myself to uh, individuals. Like, oh, so-and-so has this. Mm-hmm. But there is this kind of broader existential element to it. Sure. No, that makes sense. And like I said, with the whole you know, practicing gratitude thing, especially with just like general life stuff, you know, where you happen to be on this rotation around the sun, um, it is a fine line to walk between feeling grateful and feeling guilty. Um, Raul's right. Like you, it's it's real tempting and it's real real easy given the <laughs> the news feeds that we all get mm-hmm. to look outside yourself and to look at a macro context that paints kind of a bleak picture um, in a lot of ways and say ah oh, man yeah things are good for me but that sucks for everybody who isn't me. <laughs> well but i but i think the other thing as well is um kind of maybe going back to the context thing is you got to also keep in that what people are multifaceted a thousand million variables in their stuff mm. i mean you can be like oh yeah like I, I, i'm i'm not trying to be mean or dismissive but let's, let's say like you're financially secure but you know where are you at other goals in your life i think people have a broad set of goals that they're doing and they have, you know, various success and failure ratings. And some people who have a lot of money may be lacking in other things. And some people lacking in money may have other things going on for them. So I think it's, it's really hard for me to kind of put myself in a perspective of like, things are comparatively bad just because I know that like, I guess kind of goes back to like how my perspective of like trying to find good things. I'm like, pretty sure that folks are having folks to have something going for them for somewhere so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well there's so many places for this conversation topic to go maybe we can uh come back to it some other podcast um we could you want to you want to segue like, to story time well we could lighten up and get to news yeah or no, is there anything no, else you guys no, no. To... well okay I, I think i can keep this under five minutes since you all have been super open no, so i means, i went please, i please, went please. on an amazing journey this past year or so i guess maybe over the couple of years so uh one of my coworkers that i got, got pretty close with and uh we'd always like talk about random junk and uh for a while he was telling me like oh i have like add and all this other stuff and like he'd always like talk about his add and stuff and then like like one day out of the blue he's like hey roll so how long have you had addhd for i'm like wait i have adhd and he's like yeah like everything you've told me kind of lines up with it and i'm like yeah i think everything that i've told you has kind of lined up with that <laughs> and um and it's one of those things where like i did a little bit more research into it and um like with the telemedicine stuff, that's been pretty awesome. So it's it's kind of scary. It feels a little bit doctor feel goody at times, but also like it's been able to help me pretty much a lot with a lot of things. And I think for me, it was like kind of like the um, the what's it called the uh, having kids kind of put me over the hurdle of like OMG, like things are just going out of control for me. I can't like keep track of all the stuff all the time because now I've got like another life form that I've got to like manage in my brain and my brain just kind of like could not handle that anymore. Um, so that was pretty fun. And then like, it's been interesting too, like learning about all like the ADHD stuff is like, it's a, I, I'm, I've been calling myself an ADHD mom with a Claudia. Cause apparently that's like a very high thing with like, um, or like a common story with, with women. It's just like, 
didn't think anything about having any anything like that. And all of a sudden they have kids and then all of a sudden they find out all these things coming into place that, yep, they have ADHD. So so that's been a fun journey for me. Uh, got me on some good pills that actually can help me with like my concentration, emotional con- regulation and stuff like that. And it's it's been pretty cool. Well, so one, one of our close friends, I won't mention their name on mic, um, also was diagnosed as an adult with ADD and taking, I, I don't know which pill it was, uh, my my God, but especially from the outside looking in, but also by their own admission, like it turned their professional career around entirely where they didn't give a fuck before and couldn't really, didn't want to focus, not that they couldn't, didn't want to focus. And then they started taking, again, whatever it was for ADD and, and just mm-hmm. totally turned their professional side of their life like 180, 100% around. Um, I guess that's maybe cruel, 90 degrees. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah well, it's How, it's how do you feel that impacted you professionally, if you don't mind my asking? Um, I mean, I think it kind of did and kind of didn't. It's kind it's kind of tough, right? Because like, um, the whole like ADHD neurodiversity crap is such a broad spectrum of all the things. Um, I think one of the things for me was always just like the feeling of fatigue and tiredness, which I was like, I was tired before kids, and then after having kids, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to fall over and being die. A fucking adult, man. It's like the energy levels <laughs> uh, well, aren't there. Well, that's that's all. Also, the other thing It's just like it's either everyone has ADHD or no one has ADHD because all the things that count for it or you know count for it. Um, but uh, little little habits that I've noticed in the sense of like um, one of the the traits is like you don't have an off button, like you don't have a filter. Um, I've definitely, it's, it's been a positive and negative. I think people have appreciated how I will be brutally honest and to the point at work and other people just like, why are you saying that? That's horrible. I'm like, well, it's the truth of the situation. Why am I the bad guy? People have a hard time with honest versus professional. A guy I've worked with now did formerly. Oh yeah, but but there's, there's a difference between the ability to hold it back. Well, it, but not just I, I do not have the ability to hold it back. It's just like I gotta say whatever's on my mind, and if hold I don't it say it, I'm gonna keep going. Yeah, no, because there's also a how you present it. And mm-hmm. one of these individuals I worked with, whom I really enjoyed working with, kind of earned this reputation as being, you know, the pessimist or being too blunt mm-hmm. in meetings or saying what he hated stuff. And yeah. when we were in one on ones, I was like, look, I appreciate when you're being honest. I want you to tell me what you actually think. I am not going to like reprimand you or get mad at that ever, even if it's directed at me. I want the critical feedback. Like the important thing is how you present it. And sometimes doing that in a public forum is the wrong place. And if that's, you know, censorship or if that's what you consider with like, oh, you know, you shouldn't say that. Um, I don't think that's the right way to look at it. I think you need to do it at the right place in the right context. Is that in a private setting? Is that with a boss? Uh, Who knows? But I think, again, context and how and when you're presenting it is is the super important part. Well, yeah, but I, I, again, kind of going, tying it back to the ADHD thing, um, if your brain can't do that, then you're going to SOL. Yeah, no, because fair enough. Uh, yeah, gonna, gonna... It, yeah I, I understand the mechanics of it. It's just like, explain how an engine works versus build an engine. I'm like, yeah, about that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just other things I notice. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I, I think I, I'm too involved with my job slash can't can't reflect myself a little too much on that but like kind of more personal life the emotional regulation side of thing was is pretty pretty recognizable you know I, I get mad about stuff and i try to keep it maintained so that was that was uh nice where i wouldn't kind of like have that bigger like toggle of like not necessarily bipolar but i always think that's a good way to describe it so um for me on that note that that was something that again i didn't real and i should have but like i didn't realize as much when i was younger i used to be much angrier and i'm sure that part of it is getting older but also a huge part of it was again having to kind of when dealing with depression when going to counseling finally like kind of realizing that and i am a much much less angry person than i used to be even though i wouldn't have self-identified that uh, as that when i was younger yeah that's been that's been a journey it's been difficult yeah and um the other one that really, um, really like, um, that I understood better after I started taking meds was like when I had my first consultation, they were asking me like, are you nervous all the time? Are you anxious all the time? And I'm like, define anxious or nervous. Like I may feel nervous about something, but I've always kind of tried to live my life where if like, if I'm nervous, that's probably a good sign go with it, don't be scared, kind of like overcome that. So I'm like, I may feel it, but I may not act on it. And they're like, yeah, no, you have ADHD. 
you're like that's that's not how things work i'm like oh oh really that's not how things work for people they're not like constantly like battling all that like freaking out about stuff all the time like i don't let it get out externally but like internally it's like always a hot mess um yeah and then like i started taking stuff i'm like oh wow like i don't have to have like things playing 24 7 in my mind or like have like five different thoughts going at the same time so yeah i don't i it's clearly don't ride. Know how to distinguish that anxiety from AD, ADD. I, I certainly don't think that I'm I'm ADHD, but or ADD in any way. But uh, you know, anxiety and not being able to turn the brain off that is very difficult. And I mentioned at the start of the, the cast, I had a minor anxiety attack today, and it's the stupidest things that trigger me, the things that make no sense that you should not be worried about. But then I, I that that little voice won't shut the fuck up. Like I, you know, I have like I think ninety percent of the population I have in like an internal monologue, and so just imagine having someone leaning over your shoulder, being like. Hey, that that thing. I, you should be worried about that. No, like, dude, why aren't you? Wor- no, you should be worrying more. I know you think it's fine, but it's probably not so fine. And it, my, it, my, uh, that'll fucking get the, you. The fun party game I've started to play is asking people how they think and do they hear a voice in their head twenty four seven. And I know you said ninety percent, but a lot of people don't actually have something that inner monologue going at all the time. I, I think that's a statistic, but I could be wrong about it. I don't know, but I, I, I make it a fun game of asking people that now. Like, hey, how do you think about things? It's a, the whole cognitive thing about people. Is always, like, I've always been interested in that before, kind of the ADD stuff, but it's it's interesting now. So it kind of makes my questions a little bit targeted. Yeah. So Zach, Zach's been a little quiet. Zach, do you, is, do you when you think about stuff, do you hear it in your brain running 24-7? Or is it like you turn on the thought and it's off? You turn on the thought and then it's off? Oh, no. No, it's, it's pretty much all the time. Um... Yeah, part of my depression diagnosis was anxiety. So that, mm-hmm. the racing thoughts, and uh, especially when it's like time to sleep, yeah. that's that's super fun. But I will tell you that my TikTok feed is at least <laughs> thirty to forty percent. Oh, I didn't know this was an ADHD symptom. Um, <laughs> well, they all are. It's like a big bucket, and I, I think that just does a disservice to the term so much. Sure, it definitely does. Um, things get diluted well hey you know we could talk about how trigger was a medical term and now it's just (laughs) so fucking diluted i was reading a story uh some uh veteran with ptsd was trying to tell somebody that the um whatever was going on was triggering for him and he was getting snowflake comments (laughs) comments back from people that like his mom and he's like, no, no, this is a medical thing. Like, you need to take this seriously or, you know, bad things can happen. Uh, that's a problem. So just, like, diluting the language. Anyway. Um, yeah, I don't know. I have often, not often, occasionally wondered if I do have ADHD or some offshoot of that. Mostly, uh, it comes and goes. Like, oh man, I, I get that, those those bouts of just not being able to focus on something every once in a while, infrequently enough that I think about it in the moment and I think, oh man, I should go talk to somebody about this and maybe see if I can get an actual diagnosis, but infrequent enough that as soon as it's over, I just never follow up. Um, But when I do wonder about it, it's always like, have I been handicapping myself for actual decades by not you know getting any kind of evaluation done i guess i did when so, i was a small child so you, and i, I, I want to keep using this this term over and over again it, it's it's all about framing right yeah. i think i think it's like some of those things allow you to be successful a lot like it's like the attraction to novelty the fact that like you don't get those dopamine hits so you try to do work in a certain way to you know not waste time it's 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 almost kind of like the definition of like work smarter not harder mm. and i feel like those type of things do it's 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 all framing right it's just like you can think of like oh oh my goodness i i wasn't able to sit down and focus or oh my goodness you know i have i work this certain way and i've been able to make it work for myself so mm. yeah i should probably go get checked <laughs> <laughs> anything else gentlemen life is uh, hard be nice to yourself yeah <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for being open about stuff. I think that's that's nice. And hopefully, dear listener appreciates it and feels more comfortable about being open with the people that they talk to. So it's a difficult topic, to say the least. Oh, can I, can I say one more thing? Of course. Because uh, it, it's going to go back to the framing stuff. Um, I always trip out when people talk about 
how you were talking about like anxiety and fear and stuff like that. Because I will say between the both of you, I think y'all have done some things that would probably terrify most folks. And y'all have been able to do it, at least from my awareness and visibility, without any type of like... Are you just um, talking about Alaska? Refrain? No, I mean, I mean that, that that could be one thing, right? I think there would be people that couldn't handle a trip like that. That, that would probably like blow their minds. So uh, I do think it's a lot of the times of just, you know... Like people have different strengths and weaknesses just because you perceive a weakness in one thing. Always keep in mind that there are some things that you can do that other people would basically perceive as unimaginable. So just keep that in mind. Was this a don't Thank judge you. a fish by its ability to climb trees? <laughs> I love it. One for me, man. I've never heard it. I love it. Uh, and that's all I got. Yeah. Messages. We'll, be right back. well, all right, dear listener, our sponsor this evening is uh, Mental Health. Go t- go talk to your therapist. It can help. Yeah. I, I don't know what to say. Yeah. Like, do, do I have a referral code for that service that I use? Because I'll totally give it to, to Zach. <laughs> that sounds excellent. Well, all right, uh, gentlemen. We can do, I guess, a a news article before we head out. Is there a a trailer, an article you want to talk about? Go f*** yourself, San Diego. Oh, I... I, Don't ask me about news stories, Tom. Please don't. Uh, Something on the lighter side, please. (laughs) I have not seen any light news for the past, like... (laughs) Yeah, it's been rough out there. Um, Let me see. I've I've got some sources that I can check. Um, uh, oh, so you've, I don't know how much you guys keep up with, uh, evolving cancer treatments, but, um, not at all. <laughs> Luckily, not at all. So there, there was this, um, this sense with all of the new MRNA stuff that was fast tracked and lightninged and whatnot for the the whole covid epidemic um potentially being used uh to develop rapid cancer to rapidly develop cancer treatments and this would be you know snippets of mrna delivered by a uh, viral vector to treat pretty specific cancers um well it looks like there's a human trial for one it's a particular type of uh breast cancer and that is a recent thing. So there's a new human trial for a novel virus-based cancer treatment. I mean, I'm cool. glad to hear it. Cancer is a terrifying thing, and I we, we know people who have are high risk. Well, it's super so. cool. It's the first of its kind. And I think the, the thought is, if this goes well, um, a lot of other cancers could be treated very much the same way especially the really tough ones, the inoperable ones, the multi-tumor brain cancers, pancreatic cancer, all that good stuff. Uh, because the vector is largely the same. You know, it's it's viral load delivery. The treatment itself is what proteins do you tweak to help them, you know, stand out and flash and attract your immune system to fight it. So it's very, very cool and could be the tip of a new cancer treatment iceberg you know this could be as revolutionary as chemotherapy that's cool here's to hoping man yeah so uplifting yay r slash uplifting news yay um i started playing the uh stanley parable ultimate mega edition oh, I, I downloaded it how is it i haven't played it yet uh, i mean it's it's like the first one so i've been it's it's a very like niche game if you like that type of weird stuff it's more that weird stuff so i'm I'm digging it i had to download the original version again and open it up so that i could get the don't play the stanley parable for five years achievement <laughs> uh, nice. but i did start playing the ultimate edition they have a few new things it definitely looks way better um well it's it's one of those things where like um I was trying to not be spoilery, but also, like, it's one of those ones where I'm like, I don't want to actively explore all the things. So, like, you get some item if you do the new content path a couple of times. 
Mm. And then if you take that new content item to the other original game stuff, it's a little bit different dialogue and a little bit of different stuff. So mm-hmm. if you play, if you do all the original stuff first, it's going to be all the original stuff. So that's, that's kind of what I've tried to, or what I've seen without cutting it in too much in all the endings. But like, I do trip out, like I'll, I'll look at like the, like the original game, like the ending or like the ending graph of like, I think there's like five to 10 different endings or like, okay, at least five, 10 to 15. And I think there's probably 20 ish in the new one, but just yeah. looking at the picture from a distance is always kind of funny. <laughs> Yeah, nah, it's fun. Didn't they make a sequel? I don't know if I played the sequel. Well, that's that's the Ultimate Edition. The Ultimate Edition kind of is the sequel-ish, whatever, uh, expansion, whatever. I mean, yeah, I was thinking of Ultimate as a remaster, but I could have sworn there was a different sequel. No, they, he, had, he had another game that was, I mean, like, same vibe, but different thing. What was, like, Beginner's Guide? I don't know if you've heard of that one. Um mm. I I think y'all y'all would like it. It's it's not everyone's cup of tea, but yeah, I think it might interest y'all. Well, uh, I've usually been waiting for things to come to Switch, playing on those ports. But gentlemen, my Steam Deck arrived two days ago. Oh, I'm so I, jealous! I'm I keep so checking jealous. my email, and I'm such a dick because I haven't opened it yet because I've been busy with other things. But <laughs> yeah, I oh man, I can't wait to talk about it in the cast. I can't wait to try it out. I really hope it is the game changer that I want it to be, and I could play. Uh, games like these and the Stanley Parable uh, on that. I could finally leverage the Steam library as opposed to this Nintendo Switch. We'll see. July to September is my delivery timeline now. Q2, April to June. It hasn't changed yet. (laughs) Oh, man. But, I mean, I think, what, June? June's almost done. Oh, wait, no, June's next month. I don't know time. Time's hard. (laughs) Time is a flat circle. Um... Yeah. Uh, well, I, I will let you know when I have it, and we can review. Right. Well, gentlemen, anything else before we call it? Um, are you guys going to binge watch everything that's coming out this weekend? Oh, God, what's, I mean, Stanger Things is coming. What else? Uh, is it, isn't that Obi-Wan show coming out? Yes. Oh, well, you can't binge. They're dropping that on a weekly basis. Binge oh, is only fuckers. Netflix. Everybody else does a normal cadence. <laughs> I.e. an effective cadence. Those absolute um, motherfuckers. Yeah, like I, I saw Twitter Twitter blurbs that the Stranger Things things was pretty pretty good, because I I'm not excited to watch it, but I'm, I might the the hype train is always strong with me, so I'll get around to it. I have so many things I need to watch. I really Zach number one thing on my list, honestly, if I get to actually or not get to if I actually take the time to watch something, is going to be uh, Strange New Worlds. Yeah, now I I oh man, I can't wait for you to watch it because I think you're really gonna like it. Um. The first episode and so far the fourth episode are my favorites. And but noted. Yes. But yes, it's, it's good Star Trek. It's good, cool. good, good old Trek. Well, all right. Well, cool. Uh, dear listener, thank you so very much for joining us. We'll be back next week to talk about, I don't know, maybe lighter subjects. I don't know yet. We're going to find out. Uh, but until then, gentlemen, uh, thank you very much for, for having this, um, I mean, at the very minimum, unique QQ cast. But thanks for talking about these subjects. It's, uh, it's not always easy. Yes. Thank you. I'm so, I'm sorry we didn't have have a listicle of the top ten <laughs> mental health things to talk about, but I think we managed. Top ten freakouts. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good times. All right. Until next time, dear listener. It's okay occasionally to QQ. Don't harsh my cues. Everybody cues sometimes. Sometimes. Okay. Okay, so <laughs> Rose like we're done. Now that official, right, we're, we're done here. Hey, dear listener, thank you so very much for joining us. Please always remember that any views expressed on the podcast should be taken in context and are representative solely of the person expressing them. They are not representative of their friends and family, their co-hosts, their co-workers, and certainly not of their employers, past, present, or future. So again, thank you for joining us, and thanks for respecting our individuality. I just got bored. Everybody out.